Okay. Uh, hello, everyone. Thank you very much for coming. Um, you're probably wondering what you've just seen. Um, and basically, what I've shown you there is uh, a trailer to six channels that we're launching and we've been working on over the last uh, 18 months. There's lots of content on social. Everything was filmed from our in-house media teams um, and our ability to be able to get out there in the global network of activism on the ground um, and really look at how we can tell lush stories. So I wanted to show you that. Um, and we're working on social media, and we're building our own global publishing platform, which will be uh, launching over the next six to 12 months. So gives you an idea of the kind of things we're doing digitally. Um, so just to give you a bit of a sense of scale, the global cosmetics industry, 203 billion. L'Oreal, 25.7 billion. Lush, 0.8. So this was 2016. We're now around a billion. Um, and obviously, that's a bit of a speck in the ocean of the cosmetics industry. Um, however, that does mean that we are in 49 countries and we have 933 shops and 18,688 staff. So as much as we're a small dot in that industry, we are a very large organization. Um, and we still feel very much like we come from our roots of how we've grown the business from this one shop in Poole on the high street in Dorset to the scale I just described. Um, this is the team. The founders who actually created Lush. Um, so the two on the right in the left-hand picture are my parents. Um, so it's a privately owned company. Uh, I have the privilege of working with family. I say privilege. It's a double-edged sword, working with family. Um, but we, I do have the great privilege of being able to enjoy uh, private ownership of a company that we are just about to, or we have just started putting into an employee, employee benefit trust. So they now our staff own 10% of the company, uh, and the whole company is owned by people who work in the business, which gives us the ability to think differently than most average organizations. Um, so that kind of thinking different has been there from the beginning. So uh, the team you just saw there were inventing cosmetics up in the upstairs of that shop that I showed you way back 22 years ago. And that mentality has never left us. We have always focused on inventing and creating things that people have never seen before, cosmetics categories that never existed. We invented bath bombs. We've invented shampoo bars. We have whole categories of products um, that have never existed before we created them. And that is where my parents love to work. They are still very active in the company. They love working in the Lush Labs above the shop. Um, that, my dad right now is making some products. Uh, and that product development mentality has always been something that has been nurtured throughout the business. Um, so with that, we make our products fresh. We have our factories across the world, and we use the freshest ingredients we can. Um, and we're always focused on freshness as a huge policy in our business. So uh, we have a 21-day freshness policy in the factories. The products have to get out of the factory within 21 days to our shops. Um, so we don't have massive warehouse full of stale stock that's all packaged up ready for a drugstore. We have fresh products making its way through the global business every day. And everything is handmade. So all the products that we make are made by teams, very dedicated, strong, hardworking teams in our factories by hand every day. This is a core principle of ours, naked. 
Effectively, we're talking about plastic-free. How can we reduce packaging and waste? Um, we look at this as a really core ethic of the business, uh, alongside a lot of other strong ethics, and hopefully you'll see there's an ethical thread through everything I say. Um, and with this naked approach, it's, it's kind of come from the beginning. We always had unpackaged products, which is why the shop smells so strong, which everyone always ask the question, are we pumping that fragrance out through some kind of secret little air vent? No, that is just the smell of naked products. If you went to a Moroccan market and you'd smell the spices a mile away, everything's unpackaged, it all comes out. And that's exactly what happens with us. Um, and my job, to a degree, is to, to understand and figure out how we're going to move forward and look at the future of the business. So I've got a few solutions to some of these topics I'm showing here to hopefully give a bit of sense to how we see digital working for Lush. This is called Lush Lens. It's a prototype, um, and we're going to be launching it in our naked shop that we're opening in Milan, which is only going to have unpackaged products in it. Uh, that's at the beginning of June. And effectively, this is a way of solving our challenge with packaging through AR. So we want to be able to put image recognition uh, into this process so that you can basically have a look at the products just through your phone and it will identify the products and tell you what the ingredients are, which would be a way for us to step away from packaging so that we can tell people what's in the product, what the product is, and you can take it away with you. Um, activism has always been at the core of the business. Um, we have very strong ethics in fighting against animal testing. Um, we've focused a lot on telling stories and using our business as a platform for others to be able to really get their message across. And again, because we're privately owned, we have the ability to just give the support that we feel passionate about and our staff feel passionate about to topics and areas that we think need um, some kind of support in their communication, their messages. So an example of that in the digital world, last year, the year before last, on Black Friday, we shut down our websites across the world over a 24-hour period. Um, to illustrate the message that internet shutdowns are happening all over the world. Uh, a lot of the time we don't see them, but if you are in continents like Africa or if you're in India, um, you can get the internet shut down uh, when there's riots that might be happening or when there's going to be a, polit a political event happening. And that is dampening down on, on people's ability to be able to have freedom of speech. So we, we fought against that and we campaigned alongside um, uh, an NGO to work on how we could communicate that message. And this is an example of how we work uh, every day across all different parts of environmentalism, animal rights, human rights, and now digital rights. Uh, with that, we launched a digital fund uh, through a bath bomb called ERA 404, uh, and we raised 285,000 euros which we then distributed across 20 global grassroots organizations, all fighting for digital rights. From small villages in the Congo looking for internet connections to be able to protect their villages from poachers and other people, all over the world looking at different scenarios where we could help support grassroots organizations and sometimes one-man bands being able to get a leg up and be able to get somewhere with their struggles. This, this is uh, a slogan that uh, a magazine coined for us, which is what Amazon can't do, which is why we have that little Amazon tick there. We have the what Amazon can't do effect, um, primarily because we don't sell our products on Amazon. A lot of people worry about the retailers because of the fact that Amazon is having this effect. Uh, we don't sell our products on Amazon. 
Um, and you can't compare shop our products through different websites. We only sell our products in our own outlets. Um, we've had some challenging times with Amazon. We did have a run-in with them a few years ago because they were using Lush as a keyword in their Google searches. Uh, Lush is our trademark, and they were trading off of our name. So we were in court with them uh, about the situation. They say, you can't use our name. They were selling competitors' products by, if you search Lush in Amazon, they would say, we can sell you these other products. Um, and so we took them to court. The process was going on a bit, so uh, my dad decided that he would register the managing director of Amazon's name uh, and create a product called Christopher North, uh, as you can see here. A shower smoothie, rich, thick, and full of it. Um, so, <laughs> that. <laughs> So we're not afraid to stand out and speak up if we feel the need. <laughs> um, so, oh, and this is our version of what we would do that we're building. Hello, Lush. Hello. For Alexa. Shower gels. Sorry, turn it up. Of course, naked shower gels work just like the gels in bottles, but without the need for packaging. You get the same experience that you're used to from the packaged products, and they leave you feeling just as good. Okay, great. Tell me more about this Santa's Christmas naked shower cream. What in it? Oh, it's lovely. It's got a cinnamon and coffee infusion, fresh lime and orange juices, some aniseed and black pepper oils, all blended together with almond oil and cocoa butter. It's got a refreshing, spicy cola scent, and it makes it the perfect product to use after you've finished delivering all of your Christmas presents. Fantastic. Could you add it to my basket? Yeah, how many do you want? Just the one. Okay, that's gone straight in your basket. So this one is, I'm sure you were thinking, what the hell is Lush doing at this tech conference, right? Like, what the fuck? Why is Lush here? Um, and hopefully I've kind of alluded to a few reasons because we are thinking technologically um, and we are focused on the future and that's kind of my job within the company. Um, I joined Lush straight out of school. I didn't go to university um, and I went in 15 years ago and I suppose because I'm that millennial, just that millennial age range, I've managed to uh, work my way through the company providing some guidance and support about how we could think about the future, digital technology, and what maybe we could be doing with those things. Um, so over the last five years, what we've actually done is we've set up a, a company within a Lush group called Lush Digital. Uh, and it's dedicated to digital technologies and digital media, um, pushing us forward and thinking about how we can future-proof um, the business uh, as these changes come through, as we've talked about uh, Amazon effects or other things happening on the re to the retail environment. Um, it's also something very interesting because what it has brought to the forefront for us is as we have such strong ethical principles as we run our business and the digital landscape is constantly evolving, um, it really pushed me to really think about what are the principles we're going to need to have in this digital business to make sure that we feel confident we can drive ethically uh, the same principles or the same uh, feeling that we have within our brand and the, and the passion we have for being ethical on a platform or platforms out there that are evolving so much. 
So we came, came together with a few policies. Oh, this is my other slide I've forgotten I had. So <laughs> the kind of thing I'm saying about the size of our business is that really the way that digital set up in there is it's about having the brain of a startup and the body of a giant. Obviously, we've got a massive business, um, and we're trying to think quite startup about the things we do. Um, and thankfully, with Lush, it's very organically grown over the years, and it's very... Um, it feels very startup anyway. It's not a big conglomerate. Like I said, we're privately owned. We have a lot more ability to do exciting, interesting, different things. Uh, this guy coming up, he's my least favorite person in the world. This would be an enterprise systems reseller. This would be anyone who is sales pitching their very expensive and unnecessarily complicated solutions to Lush or other businesses, thinking that we're just going to fall for it. Um, over the last five years, this has been a big frustration, and I absolutely, I'm sure there's people out here, but I have to tell you, you're snake oil sellers if you are, because the reality is we don't need overpriced software and hardware with a sales rep selling it because they are trying to make their margins and for a big company to get sold dreams, but then they never deliver the right solution that does the right job. Any ERP, any big systems, they never do the job they say they're going to do. So through that frustration, um, that's where we really put our efforts into how do we want to approach digital and what kind of ethics and ethos do we want to have around running our business through a digital lens. So we focus on three core policies. One of them is open source. We're very keen on the community-based projects and community work. And that translates into the digital landscape as well. If we want to go out there and we want to be activists against fox hunting in the UK, and we're in that community, we also want to be in the communities that are looking at free software, that are looking at how we can make things and give things back to each other, rather than constantly trying to package things up and sell them as proprietary. So we're very focused on working with open solutions and working with partners who think about open solutions. We are not interested in proprietary resellers telling us they can sell us the world when they know they can't deliver half the things they promise unless you pay a crazy number. Um, so with that in mind, through our frustrations, we've actually found ourselves building our own technology in-house. So we now have uh, 80 engineers across the world um, and we focus on building technology from a software point of view, and we've also found ourselves looking at hardware as well. So we've worked on, opening, uh, on building our own TIL system, and that also leads into the whole process of how we run our entire business. Um, we have relatively simple objectives. If we wanted to sell products in a shop, we only have a line of three to 600 products. I don't need the discounting tools. I don't need all the other marketing things. We have staff in our shops. They want an easy way of being able to sell the products, and that's all we want to have. So we built the system we want to have. We built the solution that is right for us. Um, and we built it in an open source way. We built it using Android. We don't have any license fees for our tools. We're using Linux. We're making sure that we're actually utilizing the community that we're leaning on. So very focused on how we can provide better solutions for the whole business. And some of the slides here is, as you can see, it's not just about the tools. It starts to become about rotoring. It starts to become about other tools that our shop staff need. Um, so open source is a huge component. And the openness that we have around software uh, and free software and the mentality around what goes on with that is something critical to the reason we set up Lush Digital. 
ethical hardware, like I said, something we've found ourselves venturing into. We care a lot about our supply chain when it comes to the ingredients we use in our products. Um, and I feel very strongly we need to care about the, the uh, components that are going into our hardware that we're using. Uh, I think sometimes we can all forget that these phones we're all holding up, they don't land from space. They actually come from planet Earth. And they get mined out, and all of that all of that resource that's being used for us to put ourselves in an upgrade cycle and chuck it out uh, in a year's time. All those things, they're valuable resources, and we need to be more aware of what we're doing when we're thinking about making our hardware. This is us in Shenzhen because, again, a, a core kind of approach is get in there, do it yourself, and really understand what's going on. So we visited Shenzhen. We've been working with some uh, different uh, partners out there, working a lot with Fairphone to get a great idea of what we can be doing with them um, and their supply chain management, found a partner. I mean, the thing, if you really want it, I mean, you don't want to know how cheap the technology you're all holding is. It's crazy how much we're getting overcharged for what you've got. Um, and we're looking at ethical solutions, and we'll be making a tablet for our shops. It's not going to cost us more than five to six hundred pounds per tablet that's going to be ethically sourced. Um, so it's great. You could, you could buy one for £10, and that's not how much we're paying. Uh, and obviously, there's a lot of unethical practices going on in that process. This is uh, an e-waste dump site that we've also been and visited. So like I said, if we're not careful and we're not paying attention to the actual technology in our hands and we think it just lands from space, and then what? When you throw it away, it gets beamed up? No, it's going to these places. There are children who aren't going to school, and they're going in here, and this is where they're working, to be able to strip rare metals and strip plastic off and take those rare metals and try and melt them down and sell them on. We are wasteful. And if we're not careful, we're going to ruin the planet we have. So we need to start thinking about what we're doing. There's also data. I mean, today, GDPR, thankfully, there's a nice government policy coming through that's going to really help protect people. But we do, before that, and the way that we treat things in Lush is we care a lot about customers and staff and their user data and what is happening with that information and making sure that we're looking after it. It's a relationship of trust. You can't abuse the trust, which unfortunately Zuckerberg might have done. You may have seen this already in the, in the swag shop. Um, we've been working with TNW. Uh, there's a What the Zuck bag you can buy. The money will go to the digital fund and we will support more grassroots activism through that. Um, and that kind of actually led us to this interesting, very small community that's starting to grow around the topic of tech for good. Uh, this is our digital ethics stand at our showcase and summit that we do. Um, and what we found is there are a lot of like-minded people. They're very small grassroots operations trying to think about how we can be improving the way we use technology in the world. And so we really need to work on how to pull that all together and, uh, and really make a strong movement out of this. Um, so, my kind of last things I wanted to say about things I've learned through this very crazy journey, and you're probably already thinking that's a lot of information. Um, obviously, digital is widespread and huge. Um, you have to get your hands dirty and get in there. I'm from a retail business. If we don't start thinking about the technology that's driving our business, if we don't start thinking like a tech company, we're going to fall and crash and burn. And that, for me, is pretty much any company out there. If you don't start thinking about technology as a core aspect of your business, don't expect to be around in a few years. And you need to get in there, get involved, get your hands dirty, and understand for yourself what's going on. Stop pretending that it's all OK and someone else is sorting out. They're not. Get in there and make things happen. Failure hurts. I fail a hell of a lot. I, I keep 
failing. I have got so many failures under my belt, it's quite embarrassing. The, I have to go back to the board and say, I need more money. And they say, where, this, where are the things that you delivered? I haven't delivered them. They, I made mistakes, it's gone wrong, I've got this other thing happening, but it's so important. You're only going to learn from failing, but don't expect it to be fun. It's not like, oh, fail faster, it'll be lovely. No, it hurts, it's horrible, it's painful, but it, it, you will learn and it's what's needed. Don't buy snake oil, don't sell snake oil. If you know you're doing something that isn't important or isn't necessary or is bloated or just isn't what really has an impact on the planet, what are you doing? Don't buy it, don't sell it, just don't do it, which is your moral compass, right? Like you come to work and that means you leave your moral compass at home. What would you ethically do at home? Why does that have to stay there? Bring your moral compass to work, think about the approach you're having, and make sure you navigate what you're bringing to everything you're doing with that sense of personal ethics. Otherwise, we're not going to have a great planet to live on. Thank you very much.